Welcome one, welcome all to the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast. If you like going off-roading in Toyotas, wrenching on Toyotas, camping in Toyotas, and maybe even poking a little bit of fun at Toyotas, and of course, hearing about how fantastic Toyotas are on the Ford Ice Trail, then this is the podcast for you. That's right, ladies and germs, my name is Tyler, and joining me in today's studio over at the Snail Trail Recording Studio is the one and only Mr. Jimmy James Jimothy Hydrojet. Mr. Jim Jimmy James Jimothy Hydrojet, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. I don't this is is this technically the Snail Trail Studio? Uh not quite yet. We do have a sign. It's just not hung up yet. Okay. Um, we've called it the MF in studio before. The MF in studio. That's true. We can call it either one. It's a dual name, dual purpose, kind of like your. There you go. <laughs> I need to turn off my phone, apparently, <laughs> while it's connected to the board. So, uh, yeah, we're here at a studio. <laughs> that we are. Um, and it is smoky outside. It is horrible. It's horrible. I think we should. Uh, should we make the official announcement? I think we should, yeah. The Rubicon is officially closed. Yep. I uh, just got word from Joey today who works uh, for the county and as uh, a listener of the podcast and he just uh, informed us that they're heading up right now as we speak uh, to put up signs that are officially closing the Rubicon. Uh, the Rubicon Trail is being impacted right now or it's not an immediate threat, immediate danger, but there's a, a big fire that has been growing at one of the fastest paces Uh, We've ever seen a fire grow here in Northern California um, called the Caldor Fire, and it is just south of Highway 50 right at uh, Pollock Pines and um, the Ice House Reservoir, Ice House Road um, that goes up to Ice House Reservoir. It's going to take quite a bit for the fire to jump Highway 50 because it's kind of a big canyon with a river right there and the highway. Um, but we're supposed to see gusts, uh, wind today, upwards of 35 to 40 miles an hour. Man. So if one of those gusts hits just right and just the right place, um, the fire could jump 50. And if it does jump highway 50, it's all uphill from there. <laughs> yeah, it so really is. It'll and uphill towards the Rubicon towards the Rubicon. Exactly. So if it jumps highway 50 right there, it will get up to ice house reservoir extremely quickly and there's not going to be a damn thing anybody can do about it, unfortunately. So um, they're all just being very cautious and getting everybody off the trail right now. Um, El Dorado National Forest is officially shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so there's a f- penalty if you are caught up there, uh, upwards of $10,000 fine. Wow. So um, just stay out of the area. Let emergency uh, personnel do their job. Um, the fire right now has been burning for about two days, and uh, it's doubled in, it doubled in size overnight last night, um, and there's 0% containment. <laughs> so, right. yeah. I was, <laughs> I was at the coffee shop listening into the 805, and the the young lady was like oh are you a firefighter <laughs> and i <laughs> yeah. kind of would be like yeah 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 <laughs> no i'm not a firefighter uh-huh. i'm just listening in to see if i can help anybody and it's mm-hmm. it, the traffic is just nuts going it's, on people logging yeah. on listening in trying to figure out what's going on it's mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah this is and it's one of the closer fires to us yeah um that's been happening i mean the 
last year the Rubicon shut down too. Mm-hmm. And that one was a little bit closer than it is now, but it wasn't nearly growing as a, this one as fast as this one is. Yeah, that one was the the Gurley Creek Fire, the Creek Fire, um, and that one they were able to contain and kind of push down into the uh, Rubicon Creek. Uh, drainage system, which was pushed into the Kingfire scar yeah. from 2014. So there's not a whole lot of fuels in the Kingfire scar. Um, so that, that Creek fire was able, they were able to push it and get it to go into the Kingfire scar, um, which is really what helped contain it. Um, mm-hmm. This fire is unfortunately nowhere near there, no. but it's kind of heading up into that direction. Kind of. <laughs> but in order for it to get there, it's going to destroy a shit ton of acreage mm-hmm. if it gets up to the King fire scar. So yeah, we, we talk a lot about um, the Mormon immigrant trail and mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we abbreviate it as, um, and the, this fire is right there. Yeah, it literally ripped right through the Met. Um, so it's not quite all the way up to Silver Fork yet, but um, it's it's pretty much gotten all the way up to the Alder Ridge mm-hmm. area on Met um, and ripped through there and ripped from there all the way up to Highway 50. So um, there's a, a little township called Grizzly Flats um, that's pretty much gone. Yeah. So, um, and it's uh, moving up. It's moving, good thing, it's moving away from Pollock Pines and more towards Fresh Pond. So I really hope that my favorite uh, gas stop there, the Chevron at Fresh Pond, is going to be uh, alive and well after yeah. this. But um, yeah, it's a uh, for people who go and wheel in El Dorado County. Um, a lot of our, our favorite places are in very big danger right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a, a popular canyon there called Long Long Canyon. Um, it's pretty much gone now too. So. Um, there's going to be a lot of damage, a lot of destruction here. Um, just all the resources were up fighting the Dixie fire when this one erupted and we couldn't get everything down in time to get it any bit contained. And so it's pretty much just purely 100% out of control right now. Um, so be safe, everybody, please stay out of Eldorado County. If you can right now, please pay attention to evacuation orders. Uh, be safe. If you have a trip planned for the Rubicon trail, um, or as our good buddy Merlin would like to call it the Rubicon, <laughs> the Rubicon trail. Um, please just stay away for now. Um, the Rubicon is closed until further notice and El Dorado national forest is closed until at least September 30th. Yeah. And um, I think this is also a good time to announce that there was a bunch of illegal fires happening on Fordyce this yeah. last week. Uh-huh. Um, the, who was it? The National Forest Service people? Yeah, Tahoe National Tahoe, Forest. Thank you. Uh, went uh, down the trail and found a bunch of campfires that were illegally happening. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully they gave fines to the people that were having them. But if they found those people, who knows? But please don't California right now is so dry everywhere for the most part where a lot of places across the nation are so dry. Just do what is legal and correct. Not don't do what you just want to do. Yeah. You know, don't have fires, you know, on Fordyce right now we can, I mean, don't burn down our trails, (laughs) right? It's uh, yeah, it's just so crazy. Everything going on this year. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting. Um, Tahoe national forest is definitely threatening to close Fordyce. Um, for the remainder of the year. So with Rubicon closed, Fordyce closed, Barrett Lake closed. Um, I'm not sure if Deer Valley is still closed from the Tamarack mm-hmm. fire, but I mean, it's uh, 
if we can't get our act together and, you know, at least behave appropriately, um, the government entities have to take action. Yeah. So um, don't have fires out right now. If you see somebody having a fire right now, um, go and put it out for us, please. So, yeah. Or at least try to have a kind conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and if the kind conversation doesn't work, uh, reach out on the ham repeater to officials that are listening. So, um, that they can get in there right quick and find the people for having a fire. So, um, yeah, that's a, uh, uh, please just be aware. There's a lot happening right now and a lot happening very quickly here in Northern California. So keep your heads on a swivel and, uh, pay attention and just, uh, try not to be a part of the problem. Stay out of the emergency areas. Um, and uh, help those in need right now because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to need some help very yeah. quickly here. I did hear that the um, that the city of Paradise gathered a bunch of stuff, um, belongings, and you know, food and water, and you know, clothes, and are donating it to the people from the to the Dixie Fire. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, because they know what it feels like. They know what <laughs> yeah. they've gone through, and it's kind of neat to see these people that have been hit now mm-hmm. starting to rebound and donate things out to others. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's enough somber news for today. It's enough somber news. Yeah. Um, if people want to help in any way, um, donate to the red cross, the red cross is making a huge push and effort to uh, help a lot of these people. So, um, look for red cross resources and, um, yeah, if you want to, kind of be aware of what's going on um, and you're outside of the area, you can get on the 805 echo link. If all the connections are not being used, I think it's limited to five or 10 connections at a time on echo link. Um, but if you get on there, please do not transmit. Um, please leave the transmitting on the repeaters in the area to ground traffic that needs to be communicated. Um, you can sit there and listen all you want, pay attention, listen for updates, but avoid transmitting unless you have something very valuable to add to the transmission traffic, the yeah. communications traffic. Yeah. A lot of what's going on on that, um, that not frequent, well frequency, but that channel, the channel that yeah. is people trying to figure out where the damn fire is mm-hmm. and know if they need to move ASAP or mm-hmm. if they can sit for a little bit longer and collect their belongings before they have to run out. Yeah. So, um, and then a lot of emergency communications going on as well. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So what else has been up, man? We have, a. Uh, uh, we just released episode 220. Yes. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that episode. Yes. Um, I know we did. We enjoyed it a lot. It was a lot of fun sitting down with John and Merlin on the trail and it was kind of cool. You could hear um, rigs going by us mm-hmm. <laughs> at some points in the recording, which was pretty fun. Um, so everybody really enjoyed Merlin. Yeah. <laughs> which was pretty fun. Uh, He's a really neat guy, has a lot of really cool stories, a lot of crazy stories too. Um, and he sounds, he just, he sounds good on the microphone. That he does. He's <laughs> got that old smoker voice. Yeah, he does. So um, yeah, we're going to get those guys back. Uh, if you guys want to hear more stories specifically about anything in particular about the Rubicon Trail, uh, let us know because those guys' heads are filled with more information, more details, more history of the trail than almost anybody else out there. Mm -hmm. So if you guys want to know something, that's the whole point of us doing this is to get those stories out here, get them documented um, so that, you know, if and when 
uh, John and Merlin pass and are no longer with us, we still have that history uh, saved for the historical value. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let us know what you guys are looking for. We're going to have them back on to go through a few more things with the trail um, in the future, but uh, let us know so that when we have them back on, we know what you guys are looking for as well. So uh, yeah, you can shoot that over to us. You guys know how to get a hold of us by now. Um, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's email, there's voicemails. You can give us a call and give us your feedback. So uh, lots of different ways. Yeah, definitely. There, I know that there's stories. I want. I, how about this? When I was re-listening to the episode, mm-hmm. I was thinking about stories that John has told us uh-huh. that were parallel with some of the things that he was saying. And yeah. it, there's so much more information. Like mm-hmm. why is the Rubicon a, what, what's it, what is it? Tech, the road technically uh, a, county maintained in, public road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, how does that fall into line? You know, there, he mm-hmm. was telling us about things in the sixties and then they started closing things. Yeah. There's, there's so many parallel stories here that, um, that would be great to share. Mm-hmm. And, if you guys do have any inf- questions or information or stories that you want to hear about why things are a certain way on the Rubicon, please reach out and let us know. Yeah, there's a f- lot of fun little tidbits. Um, I think that the whole water rights usage up there, the water rights yeah. up there is a fascinating story because and the infrastructure that's been put in place by SMUD um, when they took over all the lakes mm-hmm. up there. Um, there's a There's a massive power station underground Oh yeah. In that area, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty neat. And you just, when you think about it and know that they built a power station underground in blue granite, uh, which is one of the hardest substances right. <laughs> uh, available uh, on earth on this planet. Uh, it's a, it's pretty freaking impressive um, what they've done up there. Just the infrastructure they've put in to connect the, you know, Buck Island to Loon Lake, that big spillway there. Um, the underground power station, what they tried to do to get spider lake connected, interconnected with everything and uh, ultimately failed, but what's left now because of it. Um, there's a lot of really cool stories up there. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, awesome. So let us know about that. We have, uh, some, uh, more reviews from the giveaways. Let's do it. So we are currently at 291 reviews. All right. Once we reach nine more, once we reach 300, uh, we will be doing a swag pack giveaway nice. to the first 300 reviews. Cool. Yeah. Over I think on iTunes. This will be fun to try to figure out how to do it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have a couple of new ones here uh, that are coming up. Uh, we left off with uh, our good buddy, Kevin Poole. Oh, yeah. Last time. So we're going to read his uh, G- from JD Wheeler. It's called Shenanigans. And if you love off-roading, camping, and Toyota shenanigans, this is a podcast for you. Great content from these two guys keeps our ear holes up to date on things going on in the four by four community, new products, great products. Keep up the awesome work guys. I'm looking forward to episode 200. Woohoo. Wow. That was from a while ago. Then. That was from, from a while ago. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. So thanks Kevin. Uh, next one is from made man 925. One of a kind podcast for Toyotas and four wheel drives. Been listening for a year or so. Love the knowledge and the stories. Sometimes you got to hit the 15 second skip button a few times, but a good listen if you're bored. I'm local to these guys with a built taco GX and FZJ 80. I'm sure I'll run into them eventually because we run all the same trails. Thanks for the podcast. Made man 925 on Instagram. Awesome. 
So he's uh, got some good rigs. I know he's got some great rigs there. Uh, yeah, so we'll get another one here. I'm pretty sure this next one he's already left a review before. Well, that's a bonus so, for him. Uh huh. Because he's two just, entries <laughs> into the 500. Yep. Or two entries into the 300. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's pretty much, I think he's got a one in 150 chance at winning a swag pack yeah. and one in 250 chance at winning a winch at the moment. Uh, but it's from A.A. Ron. Oh, A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron, Mr. Huckett. Uh, it's a snail slime. Great guys talking about great things and keeping the entertainment value on point. Love the campfire discussions and the trail stories. When you're out in Colorado, hit me up and we'll knock out some of those bucket list trails. Heck yeah. So sign me up. Is it on fire? I might come out there now. I know, right? <laughs> They're probably getting all the smoke inhalation from us probably. over here. It's bad. Yeah, it is pretty bad outside. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of the reviews from uh, kind of not so recently, yeah. but <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're trying to catch up. Caught up. Yeah, so maybe, maybe next Thursday we'll have 300. You yeah. think we get nine in a week? I think right now we're getting about five a week. Okay. So we'll see. Um, I'm still thinking we'll hit 300 by the end of August. Okay. But uh, we'll see how it goes here. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So along with some reviews, mm-hmm. we have some voicemails Uh-oh. that we've been holding off. Okay. We'll see how dated these are. Does it have the dates on them actually? Uh, July 28th and July 31st. Okay. So they were a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And this one here is from uh, Jason Green. Oh, shit and i don't really want to play it i i just want to state that um so jumping a little forward uh-huh. um, when we were all up at sierra track this year uh-huh. or this last weekend um he tagged my vehicle with a wheeling whining whiskey sticker oh mm-hmm. and he didn't only tag my vehicle he tagged all three of the things that i brought up there. <laughs> he tagged clifford <laughs> he tagged uh the trailer uh-huh. and he tagged bobcat well, I bet you that's probably payback for you going around and putting snail trail stickers all over their booth. Uh, that wasn't me. <laughs> that wasn't me. Are it's probably sure payback <laughs> from me putting stickers on his rigs, uh-huh. but I've put them in inconspicuous locations. Yeah, did he, he put, put it like, like right on your windshield, right on the <laughs> rear windows, um, bottom left corner where actually technically it's allowed legally to be. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I'm kind of hesitant to pull them off, but I kind of want to because it's like, mm-hmm. I do I I want to advertise for them. They're great mm-hmm. guys. They do fun things, right? Uh-huh. But it's like, but I'm snail trail four by four. Like, yeah. should I really have another podcast on my rig? I don't know, but eh. yeah, I still have mine on there, um, mainly because I'm too lazy to pull out the the anti goo yeah. thing and pull it off and then de-stickerize it, de-goo it. But also, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. I did tag his again, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> See if he finds it. Yep. Um, nice. Uh, so yeah, we have um, his voicemail. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I want to play it just because they're not playing my voicemails. Oh, really? They have about four or five in the bank from me calling in there and they're not playing them. So we're going to skip Jason's. I think that's a good idea. Then. And we're going to hold it for ransom. Okay. And we're going to go to this other one. And this one, um, I don't have a name i think i may know who it's from though so let's play it here and see what we got good morning sunshine what's going on you guys this is papa bear i just had a quick question regarding obd2 readers or scanners uh like what brands you recommend stay away from or do get what's your uh what do you guys recommend for uh, best 
bang for your buck. I'm in the market to get one. So something I get slight data, something you guys recommend or are familiar or own. Thanks. I'm good. Cool. Nice. That's, That's a, a good question. That is a good question. We've never covered that before. No, no, not at all. Um, the one thing that he said is he wants live data. Mm-hmm. And to me, that means that he's going to need a fast Bluetooth connection or a mm-hmm. wired connection of some sort mm-hmm. so that he can get instant data to him. So if he wants to see like current, like how fast are my revs going up compare, you know, like from what's on my dash to what's on my phone, mm-hmm. the faster connection you have, well, the fastest is a wire. The mm-hmm. second fastest is really fast Bluetooth connection um, mm-hmm. of some sort. So if you want instantaneous data coming to you from that OBD2 connection, you need really fast connections uh, there for that. Otherwise, I mean, I well, for me, I just bought one of the cheaper ones on Amazon because I didn't need that data i just wanted to sort of read what was going on check check engine lights um you know pull codes pull essentially. codes mm-hmm. yeah i didn't need the fast in um connection to see what was happening when i was running it um i think there's there's also a whole bunch of different types of scanners um that we could cover at some point but i don't know enough about them i need to do some research mm-hmm. um you just bought one or two one mm-hmm. no you got one recently and then you're uh your alarm system gave you My one. security system. Security yeah. system mm-hmm. gave you one. So what How? What did you get and what? Did, how did you choose that? I just went with something that was compatible with Torque, um, the app. Mm-hmm. So uh, Torque is an app that is on iOS and Android. And um, it's a very, very in-depth um, engine diagnostic app for your phone mm-hmm. and what it does it pairs with obd2 readers via bluetooth or wi-fi um and then it will has and has most codes um in its app data memory so um you can pull codes and then read what that code is yeah um it'll tell you what the code is um but it'll if it also doesn't know the code then it references you to um the internet exactly yeah so um yeah, it's a it's a really I don't really buy the OBD2 readers based on brand specific on the reader. I just make sure that the reader is compatible with the app, the app Torque. Yeah, um, because Torque is the really the brains of it. It takes all the data coming in from your OBD2 reader and translates it into information for you. And you can bring up um, you can create little widgets within the app to show your boost, to show your speed, to show your miles per gallon, to show your revs, to show um, temperatures for transmissions, temperatures for engine, pretty much anything that your computer reads, you can pull up a widget within the app and set up little widget screens Mm -hmm. with all of that live data as it comes through. Yeah, multiple screens too, Mm -hmm. I remember. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, geez, 10 years ago I bought the light or the, lifetime membership to torque and i don't know if they still do that anymore but yeah um so i've never i paid whatever it was 15 bucks for the app Mm -hmm. and have and i don't know if they do monthly subscriptions now or what but Mm -hmm. um but yeah i would i had a setup in uh the car i was driving at the time and i i was like trying to figure out a way to set this like seven inch tablet (laughs) up in there that was always connected um to the to the OBD two reader mm-hmm. and I didn't care about how t- technically how fast it was. I just kind of wanted to track mileage and things mm-hmm. and yeah, I could set up like 
is my zero to 60 speeds on one page and my, you know, how, what's my fuel economy or how much pressure is my, um, fuel injection pushing, you mm -hmm. know, it's, uh, it's whatever the computer is following and reading this app can, uh, follow along with it, which is really Correct. neat. And there's probably other apps out there. Mm -hmm. That's just the one I think, did you start using it? Cause I had it or did you find it on your, by yourself? Um, you mentioned it. And yeah. what I did was I, I did a search on them and torque by far came up the most recommended. Okay. So yeah. I was like, well, Jimmy's using it. It's the most recommended. Um, I'm just going to go with that. And I, I love it so far. No complaints whatsoever. Yeah, I've been using it forever mm -hmm. and it's just one of those things. Like I hardly ever use it, but every once in a while somebody has a problem or has a question and I'll be like, Oh, let me see if I can still log into torque, you know, and <laughs> let me, Oh, I have, I need to redownload it now. And you know, even then it's, um, you know, it logs me right in for the most part and gets me going and answers the questions. It's, it's a yeah. good one in regards to, I think going back to, in regards to the, the scanners, um, OBD two readers, I think that Tyler brought up a good point. You do need to see if you have a specific app that you want to use, try to find out if that uh, reader works for it or what reader does work for it. Um, you know, and then there are different levels and price points um, to find out about how in depth you want to go with mm -hmm. the with it. You know, and I think it all kind of comes down to what do you want to do? Yeah. You know, so I think one thing that I would recommend, I got ones off Amazon that were like 10 or 12 bucks a piece. And I got two of them of the exact same model, exact same brand. Um, I do not recommend doing that. If you want to keep track of multiple cars, your um, your phone's Bluetooth reading um, tends to save everything in your, your Bluetooth settings based on the model of that reader rather than like a um, an IP address kind of thing. Sure. So uh, what I've been finding is I need to go and get a different brand because I can't have the same reader in the F-150 and the 4Runner um, because if I do, um, it tries to connect. I can't I have to disconnect and tell it to forget all the information. And when I go switch back and forth between the two cars and reload the reader, each time I go back and forth between the two cars. So what you're saying is that the, if you have two different readers, it's still outputting the same IP address air quotes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that within torque though, you can set up multiple cars. That's what I, th maybe I, cause I use torque light. Oh. So I don't have the paid version. Okay. Um, so maybe that's uh, one of the features of the paid version. If it, the paid version can do that, then I'm pretty yeah, sure that's what I can. need to do. Well, so time out. <laughs> Okay, so we just looked in the app, and the mm -hmm. app, uh, the paid version, mm -hmm. allows you to put multiple vehicles into it. Mm -hmm. uh, but the question is now, if you have the same OBD2 reader and they're transmitting the same Bluetooth name and frequency, I would say. The, if, essentially, the SSID, yeah. the, the SID of it is right. being transmitted. So the problem is that the, the two different OBD2 readers are from the same brand. They put out the same SID, SSID, which is OBD2, mm -hmm. but they have different MAC addresses or Bluetooth addresses. So my phone saves it in there as OBD2, the SID, right? And then saves the Forerunner's MAC address as one thing. And then say I'm trying to connect to the F-150s 
Bluetooth reader, um, which has the same, SID. which has the same SID, but a different Mac address, right. um, the phone cannot connect to it. So I have to make it forget the forerunners SID to connect to the F one fifties SID. Yeah. Um, so hmm. yeah, I, I guess we need to do more testing. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get five different brands and see if they all omit OBD two as the SID because your OBD two reader emits the SID OBD two, um, which is the same as what mine do, even though they're different brands. So I wonder if we can find a different brand that emits a different SID or if there's a way to get and hack into the OBD two readers to change their SIDs or if we have to get one, if you would have to get one OBD two reader as Bluetooth and one as Wi-Fi and, that and would, go that route. Yeah, that could do it for sure. Hmm. I know you can connect to mo- multiple Bluetooths at once. You can, but, but they not need to if, have separate SIDs. Right. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a way to change the SID. That's the question. You'd have to see if we can hack into the OBD too. So, so I just went into my Bluetooth settings. Mm-hmm. And if I hit settings, mm-hmm. I can rename at the top. Would that change it? I've the tried SID? it and it doesn't work. Yeah. So, well then, <laughs> good luck, Papa Bear. Yeah. <laughs> if you have one vehicle, then we got some of the answers for you. If we, yeah. if you have multiple vehicles and you want to run this, uh, then you know we've still got some testing to do. Yeah. What's really good about Bluetooth, or I mean, excuse me, OBD 2s is engine code uh, failures and when the engine code pops up to mm-hmm. figure out what's going on. Yep. And being able to read those and then being able to uh, determine what the solution is to to remove those or possibly just remove them, remove them, you know, first of all, which I think technically is illegal. I'm not sure. Really? Um, I think it is interesting. I think cause you can, uh, cheat your way through things. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Cause that's usually my, always my first move is whenever I, I blow an engine code, I pull the code, see what it is and then immediately erase, erase it, it and see if it comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think that, uh, like smog shops out here need to see if there's engine codes that came yeah. up and see what's going on. Um, but also that's the reason I want to erase them. Yeah, right. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this might be an interesting topic to jump into one day. So yeah, we can we'll have to get it. into OBD two systems. Um, someday I know that Lee has, uh, an engine reader that he really likes. Okay. Um, so we can ask him sir, for some details on that. Yeah, maybe we'll just have him on. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, Jesse Stovetop has uh, essentially set up a, a burner phone as his a gauge cluster in oh, his really? dash. Yeah. And he just runs everything off of his ECU. Okay. Um, so I know that he has a program he likes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll have to get in touch with some people and get yeah. some different ideas of programs out there and yeah. compare and contrast them all. That'll be good. Yeah. Um, for sure. I know that, uh, and this might be jumping the gun here, but oh well, um, <laughs> I know that Lee's talking about even starting his own podcast. I heard. So we'll, which should uh, be really cool. Yeah. We'll, uh, give you more information about that when it comes down the line. It's, it's going to be land cruiser over landing ask. So we'll, nice. uh, we'll see what it, what becomes of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, shoot, how far are we in now? And we haven't even gotten to kind of our main stuff that we're going to be doing. <laughs> nope. Let's get into it then. Um, if we missed anything, we'll get to it later. Uh, another episode, but, um, we have, um, some fun stories to tell you guys 
from Sierra Trek. Yeah. So Sierra Trek was last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, the 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 smoke died down for like pretty much the whole event the from perfect Thursday through event. Saturday yeah. of the event. Um, every other day around the event was terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it seems like it cleared up perfectly just for the event Thursday through Saturday, uh, which was awesome. So yeah, Sierra Trek is essentially a fundraiser for California four wheel drive association. So I heard, um, mm-hmm. from our buddy, John Arns, who was just on the wheeling wine and whiskey podcast this last Tuesday, uh, that it is John Allen, John Allen. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I always get those two mixed up. Yeah. Not the guy that was on our podcast on Monday, but the guy that was on wheeling wine and whiskey's podcast on Tuesday. Yes. Uh, John Allen, John, I'm pretty sure John Allen told me that Sierra Trek is Cal four wheels biggest fundraiser. It is. That's crazy. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, so yeah, the whole thing is, um, it's a, it's, it's just a big fundraiser, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is that people come and get to run a bunch of trails in the Fordyce area, the Meadow Lake area. Mm-hmm. So there's Signal Peak, there's Fordyce, of course, there's a uh, Bear Valley OHV, there's um, some fun side-by-side runs out to Bowman Reservoir, Bowman Lake uh, from there. There's a ton of history up there, gold rush history as well. So there's an SUV tour you can take and get a, a really cool kind of historical view. Yeah, I wanted to do that. That would have been really cool because I would love to learn more history about Summit City up there that used to be up there, I should say. Right. Um, there was a city of four to 5,000 people at Meadow Lake Reservoir <laughs> yeah. for um, a good 10 years. Uh, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less right around there um, before <clears throat> the miners just kind of gave up because the weather conditions were too harsh in the winter. Yeah, I heard something along the lines of every winter they were, their whole city would be demolished and they'd have to kind of rebuild <laughs> yeah. the next year because it's just, you know, they get feet of snow up there. It's yeah. 7,500 feet or something yep. like that. You 7, know, 7,500. Uh, Jason was saying when he goes up there and he does snowmobiling a- around that area and the bathrooms are covered. They like, yeah, he knows where the bathrooms should be <laughs> Yeah, and they're not there. He's there are buried in the snow, Yeah, you know, so they get feet of snow, tens, yeah, feet ten, of snow. And they, snow. they, they, there was reports of them digging tunnels in the snow to get around town. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, it's pretty crazy uh, what they had to go through up there in the, the extreme winter weather conditions that are up there. So I would love to learn more about Summit City mm-hmm. and, and how that worked out and it ultimately didn't work out in the end. Um, but yeah, we, the uh, you know, a mini city in and of itself, mini camp uh, gets erected each year uh, for Sierra Trek. Um, there's a bunch of tents that get erected and a stage that gets put up. Um there's a, a well there on the property. It's private property where we, where Cal four sets up um, where they have a contract uh, lease with the Gleason family who has been very, very supportive of Sierra Trek and Cal four and allows us to keep using the property year after year. Yeah. It sounded like we are the only people that are the only, well, not we Cal four wheel is the only event that happens on their property. Yep. That's it's crazy. The, the only event that they give permission for mm-hmm. the property there. And they've been doing it for 54 years. This was the 54th mm-hmm. anniversary. Yep. Yep. 54th anniversary. Next year is 55. Yeah. So uh, it's the longest running fundraiser, longest running event for Cal four. Um, the raffle 
pulls in a lot of money. A new record was set this year. Really? Which is really impressive considering the raffle almost didn't happen. And that there was a lower, it seems like there was a lower attendance. No, uh, this year was a higher attendance. Really? Yeah. Oh, people were making it sound like they're... the campground was not as packed as it used to be. Well, definitely. I mean, depending on what years you're talking about, I mean, there used to be a thousand to 2000 people that would show up to Sierra Trek. Okay. And uh, in the past few years, 2017, 18 and 19 attendance was way down. It was like two to 300 people. Hmm. And then this year uh, they had registrations up to about 600 people and they said something like 120 did not show up. So um, it's, it's, neat to see it um, starting to grow again. Yeah, I think there's something there that people just wanted to get out, but Mm -hmm. there's also the flip side that I think people are wanting to support. I agree. There was a lot of of support for the event, Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool to see. Um, Yeah, huge kudos goes out to um, the chair and co-chair of the event. Yeah. Jeff Dax, Coral Dax are the chair this year. And then John Allen and Renee Allen, uh, were the co-chairs this year and they worked their asses off. They did for, uh, they, they both got up there the Thursday before the event. So they're up there a full week before the event and then another three to four days during the event. So it's a, it's a huge production to pull this off. And, uh, a lot of people, volunteers put in their time for it. And, um, it, it worked out phenomenally this year, considering a bunch of the trials and tribulations they had to mm-hmm. fix and, and go through to get the event to happen in the first place. Right. So, um, like the porta potties, the porta potties are a great one. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of issues, uh, that happened and they, they stuck it out and made sure that all the issues got fixed, um, to have a really good event this year. Um, it was really cool. They had a live band called diva rocks was there. Um, they had some great music, a cover band for a bunch of different stuff. Uh, there was the trail runs on Thursday and Friday through four dice and Saturday, right? Um, there was just well, the river through, run through. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So the full trail, um, they did Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was long days as yes. always <laughs> when you're doing that trail. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday was a river run. Yep. Uh, which goes yep. down from Meadow Lake down to committee and then back up. Mm-hmm. So you're going down four or five, four and three mm-hmm. and then back up three, four and five. Yep. And uh, the Friday had the signal peak run as well. Yes. Um, there was the uh, outer limits run, which is Bear Valley OHV that happened on Saturday. Um, Andy, our good friend photographer, Andy did mm-hmm. the signal peak run on Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, Friday. Okay. And he said there was a brand new with paper plates <laughs> Dodge TRX. The T-Rex. T-Rex. Yep. And it got body damage yeah, on it on the way up. Yeah. Which is, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, that guy showed back up for the uh, Outer Limits run on Saturday. Oh, really? And did the Outer Limits run too. Dang. So, which is a, a fairly narrow trail. A lot of work has been done on it in the past couple of years to help widen the trail a little bit so that full size rigs can fit down without tearing everything up on the Manzanita. Yeah. The club that uh, maintains that trail pretty much maintains it for side by sides. So they don't keep it wider for, you know, full size vehicles. But um, 
the uh, uh, he he got some more scratches and <laughs> and and ding not any dings but no. he got a lot more paint scratches in yeah. his T Rex trail patina yeah <laughs> it was a uh, mountain high Sierra racing stripes yeah there you go um and so the guy was like yeah no I bought this truck to do this stuff so I expect it's gonna get beat up and everything I'm just like man that's an eighty ninety thousand <laughs> right? dollar truck that you're just immediately thrashing uh, kudos to you though yeah cheers <laughs> if you don't mind yeah. Um, so yeah, all the runs went off really, really well. Um, they got in late each day. I think we had everybody on trail around 8 a.m. each day and everybody got off trail by 1130 p.m. each day, except for Saturday eight or before. Yeah. Yeah. Some were starting at seven, right? That's right. Some of the, I think, uh, the full river run on Thursday started at like six. I think meeting time was six. Oh, okay. Review of the rigs and then, uh, wheels up at seven is yeah. what I think Chase was. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. If you do the full run, um, they take, uh, like coffee and donuts down to the staging area for the full run, uh, for, uh, in those mornings. So you get a nice little coffee and donut breakfast before you hit the trail. Um, and then you go all the way through the Fort Ice trail yeah. in one day and, uh, drag this year for the Thursday run was uh, Danny Jones, Danny and Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny just started his own fabrication business. Yeah. Wet Willie's. Red, wet, willy, fab. Red, red, willy, fab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out of Forest Hill. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the Forest Hill area, go make sure to check him out. He's got, he does great work. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome dude has the uh, red willies um, on like 40 trepidors or yep. something like that, that yeah. you see all over the internet. Yeah. And so he's, uh, he ran drag this year and literally dragged a land cruiser from below windchill one up to windchill three before he was like, we're going too slow. We're not going to make it off the trail. And so they left the rig at windchill three to get repaired by the windchill three crew. Um, and then finished the run up and out of there that day. And, uh, um, it was a long day for him. That so. was a long day. And what was wrong with the rig? It had its E lockers broke. It, yeah, it broke the E lockers. Yeah, so it was trying to go, and it was on probably thirty fives. Thirty fives, yeah. And it was so open, open on thirty fives going up forward ice. No bueno. Yeah, no bueno, especially in a, an FJ eighty. They just sit low to the ground. There's not a whole lot of ground clearance right. there. And forward ice, you need you need to have ground clearance. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a uh, other than that was pretty much like the only big carnage on Thursday. Yeah. Um, Friday, there was a little bit more carnage, um, but the trail crew did an awesome, well, didn't awesome they job. they also leave a rig at four? Didn't some, a Jeep Cherokee broke, right? That was from the trail crew. Oh. So a Grand Cherokee went down from the trail crew. Uh, his his name was Robert. Great guy. But uh, he was working Winchill 4 in a Grand Cherokee that had a Dana 44 in the rear and a Dana 30 up front. And uh, I've never understood why Jeep built a 5.9 liter engine on a Dana 30 axle in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he went down and uh, broke, snapped a lower bo- ball joint off, broke a U joint on the Dana 30, and then broke a Dana 44 rear shaft as well, all going down windchill five. Oh, wow. So. Um, so yeah, he left his Jeep kind of at the bottom of Winch Hill five and, uh, went and worked Winch Hill four. And so we spent all day Thursday, um, trying to find parts and collecting parts, um, to fix his Jeep and get it up and out of the trail on Friday before, uh, the full trail got there. Well, was that the guy that, um, Jason from wheeling wine and whiskey picked up parts on his way up for Uh Yeah. Yep. So Jason picked up parts on his way up and we got him down to the guy and the guy ended up just welding 
uh, the lower ball joint back in and uh, was able to uh, roll and pull the rig off of the trail on Friday. So um, they fixed that up. There was a couple other rigs with carnage um, on Friday, but the trail crew did a fantastic job at getting them off of the trail and without adding any more additional damage to the rigs, yeah. which is pretty impressive for being on Fort Ice, breaking broken on Fort Ice. Definitely. So yeah, it's just a, it's a great trip where if you've never done Fort Ice before and your vehicle is capable of it, you just need some guidance through the trail. Um, it's a great trip to be on and I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, if your vehicle is not capable of doing Fort Ice, do not come on the trip. Yeah. Uh, because it just, it holds up everybody else and they're they on friday we had 110 rigs on the trail wow on friday alone so i mean that's just a crazy amount of rigs to try and get through the trail and if there's you know a couple people broken because they try and come on the trip with limited slip differentials (laughs) instead of having lockers um it holds up everybody and it just takes away the experience from everybody else on that trip yeah so um, i highly recommend lockers front and rear 37s and skid plates, armor, rated recovery points, and a winch. Like, this is not a trail to bring 35s on, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. As your first time, at least. There was a um, there was a rig in our group when I went out on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was a TJ. I'm pretty sure it was a TJ. I think it was a two-door. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure it was a TJ. Uh, 35s, limited slip, front and rear. Yeah, see, that's rough. That's brutal, man. Um, yeah, he was dragging over everything. Luckily, because it's a two-door, it's, it has a smaller wheelbase, mm-hmm. so it can actually do, it can get over things a lot easier, mm-hmm. where the JKs on 37s are so, their breakover angle so small yeah. that they, they're they having a harder time than the TJ on 35s. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of matters on what, what the vehicle goes. Your wheelbase, yeah. You know, like if you're with Samurai James and a little Samurai on 30, worn down 37s, mm-hmm. you know, that are probably more like 35s he you know that rig does great so yeah we went in on wednesday um i got a ride down to check on the repeater and there was a samurai with us on 35s and he did great there was only one spot we had to kind of pull him up just because it was such a big ledge that he couldn't get any traction on his front Mm -hmm. end um short wheelbase problems you know yeah but he just he motored through everything else just fine um he ended up breaking an axle on his way out on saturday (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they had to repair put a new axle in it but uh yeah, it's a there was a there was quite a bit of carnage, but the trail crew did a phenomenal job of getting everybody out. Yeah. So uh, since we're still on Friday, uh, do you want to talk about the medical emergency that you had to deal with a little bit? That was on Saturday. No, no it wasn't. sorry. No, it was on the second day of the run. You're correct. Friday. Friday. I keep thinking Friday is the first day of the run. Uh, correct. So Friday there was a well, medical emergency. Let's just back up just here. Mm-hmm. So you were running comms for the entire uh, for the entire organization for the Correct. most part for the, you were in communications with all the windshields. You were in communications with all the trail bosses or trail mm-hmm. leads. You know, um, most of the trails are running different frequencies, you know, so they can communicate and keep chatter down. Mm-hmm. And so everything kind of revolved, uh, you know, as you as a middleman to communication wise. And so, yep. uh, I'll leave it there. Go ahead. Yeah. So the communications side of things was uh, very interesting. Um, I, there was a point in 2018 where there was a fatality on the trail. Um, somebody, one of the crew went working winch Hill two, um, was adjusting his Jeep 
and uh, it, he had it parked on such a steep incline that he couldn't get his seatbelt out. So he kicked the passenger out of the rig and uh, went to back up and kind of level out the Jeep so he can put his seatbelt on and he lost his brakes during the process and the rig got out of control and it rolled over and um, unfortunately he passed away there on the spot immediately because of that situation and uh, trying to get communications uh, up in the, the communications just they weren't as full and and for some reason the repeater went down at that point so um, they had to depend on cell phones um, which happened to work because one person with AT&T happened to be actually on scene when it happened. Um, if that person was not on scene, um, it would have been a complete cluster and um, it, it would have gone a lot worse than it did. So um, I kind of heard what they had set up for communications. I was like, I think we can improve this. And so I kind of gave my ideas out and um, ended up getting put into the chair position for communications right. um, to set up all the comms. And uh, my plan this year is to run a dual repeater setup um, so that we can have an in-camp communications for the people in camp that need stuff in camp that way we don't have to bug uh, and, and disturb and interrupt the trail communications. Um, and also for the, the trips that were going around, around the Meadow Lake area, like the side by side and the SUV historical tours. Um, and then we had a repeater down on the trail, um, that covered for trail communications that we can keep in contact with all the winch Hills as well as the trail crew. So that was the idea with me being in camp as the central hub of everything. So if anybody needed to talk from one repeater to the other repeater, I would be a manual relay between the two repeaters. Um, or if anybody needed to talk from in camp uh, to the trail crew, I can do it. So I was running everything off of a 50 watt mobile radio that I had set up as kind of a base station radio there in camp. Um, and it was really interesting that we, I, we talked a little bit about the Jackery um, connecting the trail repeater up to the Jackery and it wasn't uh, working. Turns out uh, that's exactly what it was. What we had talked about it, the Jackery was shutting itself off. Um, to preserve its battery. And uh, so we took the Jackery out of it and put in an AGM 68 amp hour AGM battery. Um, but the repeater was set up to run on AC, uh, 120 volt AC. And so I had to put an inverter um, from the battery to the repeater. Mm -hmm. in so between. in yeah. between. And the inverter, for some reason, stopped working. And it turns out what happened, I think what happened was the inverter just got hot. And so it shut itself off due to a uh, thermal protection. Yeah, thermal safety shut circuit. off. Yeah. And so uh, we had uh, Randy uh, mm -hmm. who ran the comms in the past and now was helping out this year rather than running it. Um, he, you drove him down uh, a forest service road towards mm -hmm. Fordyce Lake. He, you guys got as far as you could. There was a gate. He got out and hiked the rest of the way from that gate um, down up and over the hill down across the Fort Ice Lake Dam and then down to where we had the repeater set up and uh, he immediately got there and there was an alarm going off from the inverter so he just reset the inverter and everything started working again so what he ended up doing was he took a bag of tools with him and uh, opened up the case of the repeater and rewired it to run on DC so we can just run it straight from the battery once he did that, um, the repeater never went down. Hmm. So uh, the solar panels were more than enough to keep the battery charged. Um, and uh, the battery had more than enough juice to run the repeater for the rest of the event. Cool. 
So that was great. Um, once we had the repeater up and online, we had pretty good communications with all of the winch hills. Um, I think a better antenna would make the communications perfect with all the winch hills from that site and that repeater set up. Um, but yeah, during the Friday's run, um, we got a call out um, calling for a medical emergency. A uh, guy had passed out and um, hit his pelvis on the way down. So um, he tripped and fell and then his buddies were helping him up. And when they were helping him up, that's when he passed out and he got lightheaded and blacked out. And so from the time that the medical emergency call went out on the bottom of Winch Hill four to the time that we had a medic on scene was about 28 minutes. Wow. That's actually pretty good, which is pretty damn good considering we had to get a, a vehicle for him to go down the trail on, get about 30 rigs out of the way on the trail so that he can get down to Winch Hill four and uh, get on scene. Um, so that was pretty cool. We put out the call on the repeater and said, Hey, everybody clear the trail, get off to the side and just sit there. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> there is a black and gold side by side coming at you very fast. Um, and, uh, you just, just everybody wait and everybody did. Everybody complied. We got the medic on scene. The medic decided that, um, the, the guy's blood pressure was not readable. It was 80 over P, which means you can't get a reading. It's so low. And his heart rate was at 90, which means he was crashing essentially. Um, so they, they got him alert, got him kind of stabilized. They were concerned about a hip injury, the pelvis injury. So they decided it was unsafe to uh, get him in a vehicle back up to main camp. So we called uh, in a long line air ambulance. Yeah. And so what a, a long line is, is the helicopter drops a cable in a basket out, out to the patient. Um, they put the patient in the basket and then fly them under the helicopter to a safe landing zone. So uh, that's what they did. Yeah. Um, they long lined him in the basket and um, over to Cisco Grove, which isn't too far away. Um, but uh, and then put the patient in an ambulance, took him to the hospital. Yeah. Um, turns out he was really, really low on electrolytes. Yep, sure. So um, his body was not able to have energy to continue running, essentially. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I just want to say how awesome it was that we were able to have the communication to mm -hmm. be able to figure out what was going on, to be able to make the phone calls mm -hmm. that needed to be made, right? And communicate with the um, emergency uh, services the to dispatcher. Yep. Yeah, the dispatcher. And I think at some point you were also listening and talking to the helicopter. I was listening to them. Um, I didn't reach out and, and talk transmit to them. Okay. Yeah. Um, we just told the dispatcher over the phone said, Hey, we can hear the helicopter on the Calcord frequencies. We can talk to them if they need us. Okay. Yeah. So let yeah. us, you know, if you need to run any ground operations, you know, let us know and we can run it on the ground sure. here. Um, but they never did. They decided to, um, long line the guy mm -hmm. over. They had an incident command set up at Cisco Grove, right? Rather than landing him at meadow and then transporting, and transporting him. him from there. So, um, yeah, it was, I, it, the communications on that. I, I mean, we sat down afterwards and I, w I was kind of paying attention. I was there to, as like, Hey, go do this. <laughs> yeah, so go you for it. We, yeah, need it. Yeah. we needed it, you know, like, Hey, go find the water truck. Cause we need to water down the helipad, mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, okay, you know, and, um, 
it was kind of, it was interesting to hear about, uh, like kind of listening afterwards about, okay, this went well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we did things correctly. What mm-hmm. can we improve on? Yep. You know, and there was things there that could have been improved on. And there was things that, you know, went to plan, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just great to kind of have the infrastructure to be able to solve these problems. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, de- there's always ways that things can be improved. Um, you can always make improvements, which is really cool to sit down afterwards and talk about ways we can improve it. Um, I, I know what I'm going to be doing for next year's mm-hmm. event, um, to improve the radio comms. Um, but there's, there's some other ideas as well, um, to make use of the AT and the good AT and T signal in that area. So, um, yeah, communications, Luckily this year communications was one of those things that we did not have to worry about. Yeah. Um, it can be made better, but we still had contingencies and backup plans and redundancies in place that we had to use, but we still made use of it and communications. We had communications throughout the trail down throughout all the winch hills. I will say winch hills Mm -hmm. one through five, um, the entire weekend, which is nice. My, um, and I don't know you're, this probably doesn't have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I, because I went out on the trail run on Saturday mm-hmm. and, uh, art, uh, the, what is trail he, lead? The, yeah. Art was the trail lead, but mm-hmm. he's also the president of friends of Fordyce. Correct. Um, yep. he, you know, was giving a spiel and he said, okay, I'm on, uh, the ham radio on the, this specific frequency. Mm-hmm. And then people were like, well, do you have a CB radio? <laughs> He's like, no, I just have the, this mobile or handheld, uh, you know, and I'm going to be on the ham. Yep. Well, okay. Well, how about G, uh, GMRS? Do you have any, do you have a GMRS mm-hmm. connection? Mm-hmm. And so I, my only beef and I, and they ended up working like one guy had a GMRS that also had ham and then they gave art a ham or I mean a, a GMRS. And so mm-hmm. he could communicate on both and everything, but either Cal four or somebody needs to make the call that this is the communications at the event. And you know, on the trails, people need to have this. I agree. Um, I gave my recommendations on that. And, um, they went either on deaf ears or somebody decided nobody wanted to make a decision on it. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of left it up to each run to decide what they wanted to do. And, um, I never heard from over half of the runs about what they wanted to do. Sure. But I had a spreadsheet set up, um, with all the frequencies and everything that, um, people that did communicate with me what they wanted to run for their group. Um, and I don't think any of that information got, uh, sent out to participants. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So there was, there was a big, I agree. There was a big gap in, um, the event communications planning and the participants knowing what was going on for event communications. Yeah. So, um, that's another thing that I'm going to put my foot down next year and say, Hey, we need to narrow this gap. Um, especially since, people noticed it. (laughs) Right. And it was being talked about as, you know, from being a air quote participant Mm -hmm. on a trail, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and people are like, well, I'm, you know, I don't have that. Yeah. You know, I only have this and, and it's, there's like, you know, GMRS or FRS, Mm -hmm. you know, CB and ham are out there and everybody's using a ver like a variety of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so you kind of have to have, either one the trail lead either has to have ways to communicate on all three mm-hmm. or you, they, somebody needs to put their foot down and yeah. be that communication. I, I started, I listened, was they went on to GMRS four. Okay. And so, um, I was listening in on GMRS four just in case somebody 
needed something relayed, but they mm-hmm. were doing pretty good. But I didn't have any way to listen in on CB for yeah. some sort of communications, you know. Yeah. Plus, I because I was running my mobile and a handheld in Bobcat, and I was on communications with you on the repeater. Mm-hmm. I was in communications with Art, the trail lead, and I was listening in on um, the GMRS. Yeah. You know, so it was like, oh. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And I was, I was, my hope was by letting each of the trail crews pick what they wanted to talk to their participants on, um, that whatever they picked would get sent out to the participants ahead of time. So the participants can prepare mm-hmm. and be ready for that trail run. Sure. Um, but that information never went out. I yeah. don't think. And, um, I really like the way that, um, the cruise Moab set up their communications. Hold on. Let me talk, pause you for a second. Uh-huh. The problem with that is if the trail lead gets to choose what they do, one trail lead might choose CB, one trail lead might choose uh, GMRS, and one trail lead might choose ham. And then the participant now has to have all three. Um, correct. So, so my argument w- from there would be to the participants would say, I don't want to go on that trail run if they're not going to, if I can't talk with my trail crew. Sure. Um, so what did, that's my, that was my only beef about that possibility. So yeah. what did cruise Moab do? Cruise Moab set up everything on with the participants on FRS. And they said, we're going to be running this FRS channel for this run. Um, and then we will have base camp monitoring the ham radio repeaters as well. If you need to get back in contact with base camp, they also had a couple of satellite phones out with the trail crews, mm-hmm. um, and cell phone numbers to the comms in base camp as well. Um, luckily there's good cell signal in Moab, Utah. <laughs> there's not really great cell signal at uh, meadow lake. Um, yeah, not at meadow, but there's shockingly decent cell signal on the trail. If you have at and I have Verizon and I had pretty oh. good cell signal all the way down to committee. Nice. Okay. That's good to know. Um, they must've improved their towers there, but, um, yeah, in meadow lake at the, the base camp comms, um, at and was the only thing there. Yeah. at and yeah. from what I noticed was the only thing that worked at meadow lake. Yeah. But as soon as I got around the bend of meadow lake and mm-hmm. was able to see down the Canyon, I got service and was able to call the assistant a few times. Nice. Yeah. So that's good to know. Um, so yeah, anyways, uh, also, um, at cruise Moab, they handed out FRS radios mm-hmm. as the gift. Yeah. And so every participant received radios. Yeah. Right. And they're like, you might not have it, but here you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they had it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that, uh, which is what we're giving away actually uh-huh. <laughs> as <laughs> our Patreon's gift. Yep. So if you're a Patreon, you're getting the FRS radios slash GMRS radios that we received from the cruise Moab, mm-hmm. um, from, which are Midlands. Yep. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I mean, I agree. I think that I just think something needs to be said or made. I agree. And that's one of the problems with um, dealing with a volunteer organization is that sometimes decisions are not get made, do not get made. And sometimes decisions um, upset people. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it's all volunteers, you have to make sure that people stay happy. So you always end up finding kind of a middle ground somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that communications is one of those places that should not be found a middle ground with. Sure. Um, it's just too important, especially when you have medical emergencies, everybody has to be on board with a communications plan. Sure. So I agree. Speaking of uh, keeping people happy, there was a certain gentleman that is very uh, particular to CB. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, did you ever speak to this uh, individual after the event about how he enjoyed the communications on ham? Because it seemed like he was, it seemed like he was talking a lot and 
was in good communications throughout the trail and he appeared to me that he was satisfied with the communications. Yes. So I didn't really get to talk with him about the communications, but after he got off the trail that day, he came over to the communications booth and shook my hand and said, thank you. Today went great. And I said, I agree. You got, you kicked ass in keeping in communication with all your trail crew. Your trail crew heard you the entire time. I could hear you the entire time. Um, you guys did a great job of getting all the broken rigs off of the trail. Um, I think everything worked out great. And he goes, I agree. Oh, so good. Um, which is that's like yeah, a shining star, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a rainbow with pot of gold at the end with him. Um, he's just him and another guy. They're they're awesome guys. They have a lot of passion for Cal four for the event. Um, and they've been around the longest. Um, they are the two guys that have been attending this event the longest out okay. of everybody that was there. Yeah. And both of them came up to me and and shook my hand at some point during the event. Oh, cool. So I was like, that's great. That's a huge, huge win for me. So I think that um, I've shown what communications can be a little light of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it can still be made a hell of a lot better. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's my plans for the future. I think that uh, CB is well working its way out of um, the off-roading here in Northern California, which is great because there's it's so much better of a, there's so many more things you can do um, with a ham radio or commercial com- communications. Um, uh, so yeah, we're working on that. Um, let's see. The rest of the event was pretty darn good. The raffle was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I won a couple of things. Yeah, I won. I won some gear wrench bolt biters. You, you won great. some things that we donated. <laughs> I know, right? Um, do you have those, by the way? I think you were saying you were going to not here, but do you have them in your tool? They're tools, at home. Your tool yeah. kit. I haven't unpacked fully yet. Okay. No, but I meant, do you already have them? Oh, I don't think so. No, no this, so no. this is actually something new for mm-hmm. you. So that works out well. Yeah, it works out really well. They were awesome. the three eighths and quarter inch drive uh, bolt biters, which I'm pretty sure I do not have. That's great. That's good. Yeah. Those are awesome. Fantastic. Yep. So and the, I'm mad because I was hoping you had them so I could have them because <laughs> I don't have those either. Yeah. So those, uh, I won $50 from Esprit de Four. Oh, yeah, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Are you a part of that club? Nope. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, don't, I guess Esprit de Four donated uh, $50 gift certificates or gift cards. Uh, to the raffle well, like I, Amazon or uh, Visa know. gift cards. Are they just are they literally like a cash thing? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I haven't unpacked yet. Yeah, you haven't looked that <laughs> far. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the raffle was good. Uh, Kelly, the president of Esprit de Four, won the Morflate 106 compressor. Oh, that's funny, which is yeah. pretty good. He was camped with us, too. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. He's a really cool scrambler. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that the raffle went good. The live band was great. The food was phenomenal this year. It was outstanding. The food was really, really good and hats off. Kudos to the kitchen staff. They get up at three 30 AM every day to prep breakfast. Yep. And they don't close down the kitchen until everybody's off the trail and had food and eaten. Mm-hmm. So they probably they run go, in shifts. They do run in shifts, but some people don't. The The lady in charge of all Donna, mm-hmm. she does not. Yeah. She stays around the entire time. So she's up from 3.30 a.m. until midnight, midnight. to midnight 30 every yeah. day. Um, that lady 
huge, huge kudos to her. Yeah, because what on when, Thursday mm-hmm. uh, when Danny was pulling the FJ eighty out, mm-hmm. they got to camp at eleven forty. Eleven forty, yeah. So they didn't get over to the food until midnight, maybe yeah. the kitchen. And that was the latest <laughs> night. That was the latest night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, huge kudos to the kitchen staff. They made some awesome meals all weekend long. Uh, there was tri-tip. There was uh, ki- uh, chicken kebabs. There was ribs. Ribs. Yeah. Um, pancakes. Dude, the uh, freaking... Biscuits and gravy was biscuit, amazing. The mashed potatoes with bacon potatoes, and cheese was outstanding. Yep. Oh. Mm-hmm. They did some really good food setup this year. So um, that was phenomenal. They had hot showers. Mm-hmm. which is something I don't know if Jeepers Jamboree does hot showers. I don't Just know. Just putting that out there. So Sierra Trek has hot showers as well. Um, let me see. The bar was great. Yeah. Goat's milk. Goat's milk was a huge hit this year. Uh, brought it, got it back to the event. Uh, finally, since 2000, I believe 14 was the last year they did it. Um, the, the, I brought, I brought some home. So on the last day, uh, did you? Uh-huh. I was walking past the bar to come over to the booth to help break down the booth. And I was jokingly going, hey, you got any more goat's milk left? Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, we do. And they like pretty much tossed me a water <laughs> bottle that had goat's milk in it. Uh-huh. And I brought it home to the assistant. Nice. And I gave it to the assistant and she's like, what is this? And I was like, it's goat's milk. Goat's she's milk. like, what's in it? I'm like, uh, they won't, they tell, won't tell you yeah. <laughs> they, it's a secret for the club. The only the club knows, you know, I have some guesses, mm-hmm. but I don't know what makes it cloudy. Yeah. Looking. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> it's sweet. I think it's a rum base. I'm just guessing here. Mm-hmm. Some, some sort of pinkish pink lemonade thing. I don't know, mm-hmm. but something's cloudy in there mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so she was really hesitant to try it <laughs> until I poured a glass for myself and a glass for her. Gotcha. And then she's like, oh, wow, this is way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's good. And it's good. It's it tasty. Good. It's sweet. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, I, I had a fair share of those mm-hmm. while I was up there. Yep. There was a lot of those um, uh, drink. The snack bar did a great job this year. So typically the snack bar is kind of open like during the day, during lunch hours. Um, and they do uh, soft drinks. They do Gatorades. They do vitamin. I don't know if they have vitamin waters, but they do non liquor drinks. Yes. Um, and this, and they typically will do like burgers or hot dogs, something like that. And on the first day they had um, um, Dave McKinney from Rubicon trail adventures who has a Traeger on a off-road trailer. Yeah. So he brought the Traeger grill and grilled up some tri-tip sandwiches for the snack bar on Thursday, and they were a huge hit. They went out quick. Oh, I'm sure. So I think um, going forward into the future, there there was talks about having him uh, barbecue and getting Traeger involved to supply pulled pork, uh, tri-tip, and some other goodies for the snack bar for lunch times. That'd be nice. Yeah, so uh, that was awesome. Um, there was, there was a lot going on. There was a ton of vendors this year. It was really neat to see all the vendors back. Yeah. So it was, um, before we go into that, mm-hmm. I wanted to just say, um, because I wanted to give a very, I wanted to close with the vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to also say that, uh, because I went out on a trail. Yeah. Right. And we had some pretty good carnage Yeah. on the way down and I'll just make it brief. Cause I know we're super at, at the end here. We're going long. Um, but, the 
we on the way down we had a guy blow a PSC um, power steering line, mm-hmm. and actually uh, I have I carry a power steering line just for this exact reason, and it fit and it worked well, and so we buttoned him up, put power steering fluid in. He went the rest of the day and went all the way down to the committee and all the way back out. Totally worked nice. fine. Everything worked great. On the way out, we had a Jeep that started the trail. He didn't announce it. He started the trail and he only had three wheel drive. He didn't wasn't <laughs> running an axle shaft. <laughs> what? Right. And uh, it was a Jeep on forties, like uh-huh. his JK on forties built like decent, you know, but didn't have a front. It couldn't get an axle shaft. Yeah. And so he was running the trail and he's like, Oh, I've been doing good. You know, like I, he, I think they even did up, uh, the whole trail run one day. Oh, um, I know that the week before they were over on the Rubicon, they were on the Rubicon and yeah. they did the Rubicon. Uh-huh. And so, uh, he was instead of, he couldn't really crawl things that yeah. well because he was only <laughs> re- going three wheel drive. <laughs> so there was a lot of times and you know, uh, this group, what they they're skilled wheelers, mm-hmm. but um, they, and they didn't really want any direction. Yeah, right. So they were they would try to go up things, you know, and I'd want to, you know, and they were kind of like, no, I got it, and I was like, okay, fine, you got it, mm-hmm. go ahead, you know, and then they get stuck and they're like, okay, which way do I go? And they're like, well, you got to back up a ways because let's now reset you're in, you and do what I want. Bad spot. Person, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and one of the people in their group was like, one hundred percent, any help at all. And would get mad if you asked, uh, told them something. <laughs> and, it was okay. just, and I'm like, hey, my, go-, because I got voluntold to be a guide on the yeah, trail that morning. That morning. Yeah. Yeah. You were- <laughs> like when I was, I signed up for the trail run and yeah. then they were like, oh, Jimmy, awesome. Hey, you want to help out? Yeah. I'm like, uh, sure. Like, Not really. I yeah. was, I came uh, here to enjoy. I wanted to be, yeah, I wanted to <laughs> be behind Tail Gunner uh-huh. and just put along with Samurai James, who was Tail Gunner, and just hang out. But yeah. no, that didn't work out. No. Um, so anyway, so on the way out, the guy that was in three-wheel drive hit Turtle Rock faster than he should have <laughs> and broke <laughs> the his lower link mount off of from the frame. Yep ripped that whole mount off of his frame, the bracket, the bracket yep. off of his frame. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. And at one point he was trying to go and I'm like, stop, stop. Like, what are you doing? He's like, no, I'm trying to get up this hill. I'm like, you're broken. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Your like, axle is turning sideways. Yeah, right now let's underneath figure you. out how to get you <laughs> off of the trail, not how to, you know, just yeah. get you out of this obstacle. Yeah. And luckily we were, we've, we got him out for fairly easily. Um, we had to winch him out of there, um, and strap some things up out of the way. Um, right there was a turnout and the dude that broke to his complete respect had everything to solve it himself. Yeah. He had a carnage welder nice. that he welded up it and he used the welder on the Rubicon. So it was almost out of batteries. Uh. So we had to pull <laughs> batteries and when I pulled everybody was like, and it was funny because all of it, like his two of his friends stayed. So there was three participants, Samurai James and me staying to help this guy. Mm-hmm. This is the last run. We are the last people. Mm-hmm. So we're like, let's get all we have to do is get this guy out of here and we're done. Like the event's done kind of a thing. And uh, so we had to pull batteries and all the other guys were like, I've got a lot of stuff attached to my battery. It's kind (laughs) of deep in the engine. I don't really want to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, fine, I'll pull it. And what's funny was that then that there was no communication back to base. No, like Samurai James was calling you, but for some reason he couldn't get out. He probably didn't have the repeater programmed into his radio. He, I don't know. I'm not sure why. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so... But regardless, uh, 
once he got the batteries, everything welded up fine. The guy had like a vice. He had the grinders. He had like spare metal to fill holes. <laughs> yeah. He had one, he, the welder, once the welder had the batteries, he, everything was working good. It took us about two and a half hours, but then from there we, uh, got him out and w- I, we, there was a few times when we had to tell the guy like you're broken. Yeah. Like remember you, this, <laughs> like you, the goal here is to get you off the trail. Yeah. Not for you to do the obstacle. Yeah. He, he and trail three, uh, winch crew, uh-huh. Uh, the crew like tried to guide him the easy route on the far left going up the hill. Uh-huh. He refused. He was like, oh, I'm going to go that way. It's easier. <laughs> and he like got, couldn't get up it. Uh, yeah. And he's like, winch me up. And we're like, go this way. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it, you know? And it was like, Jeez. and then eventually I had to like, just sit there and talk to him. Like, all right, there's a, there's an obstacle here. We're going to, you know, like I want you to get, I'm going to get your nose up this high and then we're going to winch you forward. Yeah. And he's like, but I could do it. I'm like, you probably could. Yeah. But my goal is to get you off the trail without having any more problems. Correct. I've got to get everybody back to base, you yeah. know, and it just took a while to convince, you know, at the end, the guy was like, Hey man, that was cool. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all your help. Blah, 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 blah. You know, but I, the, the, also I was like, you like this could have been was, prevented. Yeah. Was the, I'm curious, um, during the driver's meeting in the morning, was anything talked about that's saying if yes. your trail crew says this, you need to listen to them because oh. our goal is not, to have a fun, a great, just do whatever you want. Wheeling day. Our goal is to get 40 rigs down and back down and back up here. Um, I don't, maybe I don't recall. Okay. Um, I do recall, uh, art saying, does anybody have any issues with your rigs that Mm. you want to address with us, the trail crew (laughs) to let us know what's going on? Yeah. And nobody said anything. Yeah. And I know that samurai James (laughs) went and told a stock J or JT, that he couldn't come on the trail. Stock gladiator. Stock yeah. gladiator. Yeah, he's not getting down that. He ain't, he ain't <laughs> going to make it. Yeah. You know, and what would have been nice is if somebody would have stood up and said, yeah, I don't have a front axle fully together. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> so I don't know. It was, it was a success at the end. Okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You guys, it, the river run definitely took longer to do than in typical years, but I think a lot of that had to do with that. There was only three trail crew. Technically there was only two and then you volunteering to help that morning mm-hmm. spur of the moment. Um, well, so yeah, voluntold you voluntold to help spur of the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely, there's some improvements that could have, that could be made with both river runs. Um, it seems like both river runs had some issues, but yeah. um, we can we can clear that up for next year's event. Yep, I think that'd be good. So I have all the issues written down in the communications log, so I will be printing that up and sending it to next year's chairman, um, so that it can help him make uh, decisions on the event. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think other than like I said earlier, the the issues that came up in the event were pretty substantial issues, but everybody worked their asses off and got everything done. And it ended up being a great event. Yeah, I think so. There were no big injuries. Um, at least nothing that, um, wasn't handled. Mm -hmm. Um, there was no, we got everybody off the trail and back up to camp. Um, it was, it was, uh, there was food for everybody. There was hot showers. There was the bar didn't run out of alcohol. Um, it ran out of Jack Daniels. It ran out of Jack Daniels. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I think that the event was phenomenal and for $185 as a participant compared to a lot of other events out there like Jeepers Jamboree or anything like that. Jeep. Don't get me wrong. Jeepers Jamboree puts on one hell of an event. Um, 
but it's 550 600 bucks almost wow for yeah. the, the ticket for there so um if you're looking for an event that still does a great job um Come check out Sierra Trek in yeah. next year, 2022. Absolutely. So, and let's uh, let's go down um, the list of our memories of sponsors that were there. Oh my god! Just to kind of give a shout out to <laughs> these people that were supporting the event and mm-hmm. helping out. And I think the major, main, big, absolute sponsor uh, this year for Trek was Metal Cloak. They were kind of like the big title sponsor this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Metal Cloak was there. Um, so Will was mm-hmm. out hanging out. Hi, Will. I Hi. know he listens to the podcast. Yeah. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Awesome company, uh, especially if you're into the jeeping life. Uh, they just they need to make Toyota stuff so we can work with them. I know. Right. <laughs> I don't think it's going to. I don't think either one of us is going to get a Jeep. So no. I don't know. Yeah. It's a bummer because we, we, we're good friends with them and I know. it doesn't work out. We might be able to start working with them with Broncos. I, I talked with them about they're not getting any of their Broncos that they ordered either yet right now. Oh, bummer. <laughs> so we're both in that. We kind of had a laugh about being in the same boat on our Bronco orders, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, metal cloak. Awesome guys. Love those guys. Um, they were out there. Uh, let's see. Premier power welder was yes. out there. Greg was there. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Greg. Um, they did that episode with uh, Jason and Chris wheeling wine and whiskey and John Allen. Uh, so go check that one out. That's nice to hear from them. Yeah, um, I think it was like one eighteen. I believe so. Uh, BFG was out there. Yep. So not just their show booth, but they also had uh, uh, pro pits out there, which is their big old 18 wheeler with like a ton of parts and and tools to repair vehicles. So they were doing vehicle repairs out there on the lake, on the the meadow bed. Yeah. Race line wheels was out there. Mm -hmm. It was good to meet Greg Mm -hmm. and talk with him a little bit, the owner. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had a, they had a semi out there too. Yeah. Which is kind (laughs) of crazy. Yep. Uh, race line was out there. Let's see. Um, trail gear was out there with all pro off road. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, four wheel parts was there. Our good buddies from power tank came out and we had a booth and we're mm-hmm. saying hi to everybody. It was good to see them. Steve and Tyler. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Dirtbag clothing was out there. Yeah. Johnny was hanging out. Johnny was Johnny did good. He said mm-hmm. he said he what, did way better than he ever <laughs> expected. <laughs> yeah. And so the wheeling wine and whiskey guys were hanging out in the dirt bag booth and mm-hmm. we were supposed to be near each other, but then comms was in the Morflate booth and they had that set up right next to the stage and it was too loud so we had to move across the the vendor area from each other and I yeah. think we're going to bring a water balloon launcher next year. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That'd be great. Just don't get any of the calm stuff wet. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we had them uh, Rubicon Trail Adventures. Yes. Dave, Dave Marlis McKinney were out there with the showing off their one of their Jeeps and their Traeger and their yeah. off-road trailer. The State Parks OHV mm-hmm. grew like a f- official person was out mm-hmm. there. Yeah, they had a little booth, which yep. was kind of neat, which is pretty cool. Um, the let's see, Sneevies yep. was out there. Yep. They had Steve a big old 18 wheeler too, pretty much. Yeah, he had a freaking <laughs> massive trailer. He Huge brought trailer. out. Uh, so it was cool catching up with Steve and seeing what they're that he's been up to um, with Sneevies. Uh, let's see who else was out there. Um, there was a few others. Yeah, there's uh, somebody that was right next to the. There was an insurance company. Yeah. I forgot what that one was though. There was an insurance company out there. Uh, Cal four obviously had yes. a booth there. Tread lightly had a booth. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, both of them. There was a booth uh, because the, the each year Sierra Trek tends to pick somebody that they um, memorialize the event for mm-hmm. um, who is the memorial person. And this year was Dana Holland. Yes. And so Dana Holland, if you guys are 
familiar with off-roading in Northern California, Dana has a huge, huge reputation going way back of uh, volunteerism in uh, Northern California off-roading scene. So um, they had his Jeep out there, his old Jeep. Uh, Dana is no longer with us. He's passed. Um, but his son has the Jeep in the um, uh, Kickapoo is the name of the Jeep. Okay. And um, he had the, it's a CJ5 and uh, an off-road trailer with it as well. And he did, Dana was very active with search and rescue with a Cal 4 and volunteering and running events, being chairs for a lot of things and um, getting volunteers to be very active. He was very good at that. So um, he, they had a little booth to commemorate and memorialize for Dana Holland. Oh, cool. Which is cool. Um, and then there's a few others too. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool event. I, I had I enjoyed myself even though I had very long hours every day. Yeah, well, you're pulling double duty. Yeah, you were working for Morflate and working for Cal Four Wheel for mm-hmm. comms. Yeah, you know, so you were in the middle of trying to t- sell people on the Morflate kits. <laughs> you were trying to answer things on the comm. Yeah, you know, and occasionally I try to step in, and nobody really wanted to talk to me. They wanted to talk to you. <laughs> You know, yeah. and it's like I can answer a lot of these questions, you mm-hmm. know, but um, yeah. And then on Saturday, you know, I was out on the trail because mm-hmm. I wanted to go. Well, I want. Let me just say, I wanted to wheel farther than Chris did. <laughs> That's true. That was your goal. That was my entire goal. <laughs> How but far did Chris make it he, when he was up there? He drove to the top of Winch Hill Five. Yeah, is what I heard, and then walked or got a ride down. Yep, <laughs> the rest of the trail, and I drove all the way down to Committee and back up. So yep. I got him beat. Can you imagine? trailering going through the process of putting your rig on a trailer bringing it out for a full week and then just driving it to the top of windchill five and that's all you do with it yes uh, yes i can because can. i trailered in bobcat <laughs> uh-huh. and there was a few thoughts that were running through my head of man do i really want to do this run you know like <laughs> i don't know should i do it like should i just hang out and talk to people and be more social mm-hmm. and i was like man i trailered bobcat here i'm gonna wheel this thing yeah i want to take it down the trail like i don't want to just trailer it up here have my rooftop tent on Bobcat posted up on camp and then put it back on a trailer and wheel it home. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. So that exact thought ran through my mind. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a good event. I had fun. Um, yeah. And I think it, it, was, uh, exhausting, just, but it, it was tiring. It was a long time. It was a fun event. It was a lot of work. Everybody, put in a lot of work and I want to say a huge thank you to all everybody that volunteered mm-hmm. volunteers are what made this event happen. And because of you guys, it was a success and it's exciting to do it again next year. Mm-hmm. So thanks to all, um, everybody that volunteered breakdown crew, setup crew, the bar, the food, you know, um, geez, uh, the snack bar, everybody that volunteered trail crews, mm-hmm. um, tr- all the winch hills, mm-hmm. everybody that's volunteering. So a huge kudos to you. Big thanks to everybody out there that gave their personal time to help and support the event. Yeah. There's about 200 volunteers that goes into this event. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool event. I highly recommend checking it out in the future. If you guys are available, Mm -hmm. you do not need, um, to do the trails. No. If you want to do the events, there was a lot of stuff kind of happening around camp with all the vendors there um, during the days, each of the days. And then there was trips that you can go do in a stock vehicle, like the SUV historical tours. Um, just more than stock can go do the Bear Valley OHV loops. Mm-hmm. Um, Signal Peak, they did the harder side, but I believe in normal years, they also have a route that does the easy side. Yeah. So, and you can hang out by the lake and you can just hang out by the lake and go swimming, go, uh, there was people out there doing uh stand up paddle boarding, mm-hmm. suck. um, 
supping. <laughs> so yeah, there's just a lot to do. You don't need to come out and run Fordyce right to come out and hang out at this event. So um, yeah, if you want to run Fordyce and your vehicle can do it and they're capable, highly recommend doing it. But just remember that um, they've got to get a hundred rigs through the trail. So mm-hmm. if your trail crew asks you to do something or listen, um, listen just yeah. to help everybody move along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure uh, about what I'm going to say here, but well, I'm sure what I'm going to say, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Um, I think next year I might run like on Wednesday, I might run Ford ice like the mass majority of the way mm-hmm. or maybe all the way and then make get to camp Wednesday night or th- um, possibly spend the night and then get to camp on Thursday morning and then not wheel the rest of the weekend and hang out. Yeah. And, you know, and just get my trip through, mm-hmm. hang out, you know, have fun on the trail for a day or two mm-hmm. and then hang out at camp and talk and socialize and, um, you know, do network connections and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good way to do it. If your rig is capable and you're familiar with the trail, that's a great way to do it. The Mm -hmm. mad hatters in the past, they would go out and leave about 20 to 30 minutes ahead of the Thursday run the Thursday full trail. Yeah. So they'd be half an hour to an hour ahead of the full trail by the time they get to camp. Um, and then just hang out the rest of the time. So they get their, their full run in, Mm-hmm. Um, they're having a good time and they just get to sit around and enjoy and relax the, the camp life for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That's we'll a see. good way to do it. We'll see. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, any other stories, fun things that you can think of that happened over the weekend? Yeah, a there? bunch, but, uh, I think some <laughs> of them are incriminating and, uh, some of them probably shouldn't find their way onto the air and we're probably way too long That's on this episode. Better, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> maybe we'll save it for a bonus episode or we'll, uh, never speak about them again. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Uh, cool. If anybody wanted to get in touch with us, how can they do that? Yeah, you can email us, Jimmy or Tyler at snailtrail4x4.com. You can find me on Instagram, snailtrail4x4. You can find Tyler over there, 4x4 Toyota Tyler. Or you can phone us at 916-345-4744. Did I get it? You did. I, knew, I, I was concerned about the first three that time. <laughs> One of these days, I'll memorize it. Maybe I'll even call. Yeah, we'll see. Right. Um, yeah, and that's probably enough. You don't need to hit us up on every channel, but the way to support us the best is to leave a review or tell friends, share the podcast one way or another. The more ears that are on the podcast, the more fun things that we can uh, throw at you guys and get deals for you guys and mm-hmm. help out one way or another. So, Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. So with that, do you have any final words for everybody out there? What I thought was funny about the Saturday run was how a samurai and a clapped out Toyota pickup were leading a bunch of beautiful JKs down the trail. That's the way it always is. And with that, my friends, keep crawling. recording yeah i got one for you ready what do you call a pencil with two erasers two erasers i don't know pointless
<laughs> okay, that one's clever. <laughs> Should I mention the fact that Sam- Lady Samurai ran Bobcat into a rock? <laughs> Absolutely. 